Consequence Podcast Network. What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As we get closer to one of the biggest Bonnaroos in history, we talk to the biggest artist in the What Podcast history. No one personifies Bonnaroo more than my morning jacket. So our guest today, the incomparable Jim James. Jacket returns to the farm to celebrate the 20th anniversary of their legendary 2004 show. We talk about that and more today with Jim James on the What Podcast. It starts right now. Today, welcome back in Barry Quarter, Lord Taco. I'm Brad. The uh, possibly the biggest show we've ever done, Barry. Smiling ear to ear. How excited are you today, buddy? Uh, This is a dream, an absolute dream. If you'd have told me in 2008 that I would ever have the chance to interview this guy, uh, much less be in the same room with him. What what was special about 2008? That's when I, so I, my first, well, I went to the first one just for the day. So 2007 was my first. So 2002, Bonnaroo. you went and you just spent a day there just to see just what went, it was like. Yeah, I didn't really do much. Right. Went for the paper. Did you go after you heard Did, about the news about traffic or had you already planned on going? Yes. yes I got to work and uh, the bosses said traffic is backed up, you know. Get there. Almost to Nashville going that way and almost Chattanooga going our way. Here's a photographer, get yeah, okay. there and see what's up. 
and uh, got there, and they, just like always, we, we dreaded the traffic, dreaded standing in line, walked right in, walked into Centeru and saw a kid smoking a bong in an inflatable bong, and I was like, this is a little <laughs> bit different. This is kind of cool. And uh, we did our job and left, and I thought I would like to go back, but I didn't camp, you know, had no interest in camping in a field for four days. But in 07, they decided that because I was salaried and they were tired of paying hourly people that I, and I was the entertainment writer, I should yeah. go. And uh, liked it very much. But 08, I went um, and saw My Morning Jacket, who I honestly knew nothing about at that midnight show that ended up being four hours. And I'm I'm not kidding when I say that's all I listened to mm. for six months when I mm. came home, over and over and over, uh, and it's been that way ever since. Yeah, I mean you'll hear it. It changed. I mean, we're, I'm doing this podcast because of my yeah. morning jacket and yeah. because I just it changed the whole live music experience thing. For I me. I love I love that so, story because you know those first few years it was a real struggle, man. And and I hate to be the the get off my lawn guy, but it's it's you just don't know how good you have it right now. Uh, it is a, it's a really well done professional music festival now. Back in the day, it was it was a combination of of the fish people and just whoever we can get to show up. It was a free for all. There was very little organization to it. It was pretty messy. And honestly, I don't know how if you felt this way, but. A tad scary because it was scary. intimidating. It was extremely scary. Uh, Shakedown Street was yeah. legitimately a shakedown. Uh, I'll never forget a guy who was try who was literally waving around a dryer door. <laughs> I mean, it was like lunatics off the street who were just hanging out, right. and you had no idea because at the time you could walk into the campsite. There was no security around the campsite, so if you just happened to be a wanderer around manchester i mean you were there were thefts like crazy in the first couple of years uh it was a it was a very strange experience and f to be where it is today is such a wild wild thing um yeah you know i'm surprised it took you so long to come back though we i went the first the second year 2003 2000 i'm sorry 2004 was my first year it was the torrential downpour year Classic My Morning Jacket show. I will never forget that rainstorm. It was the worst rainstorm I've ever been in in my life, and I've sat through a hurricane <laughs> in New yeah, Orleans. Um, <laughs> I've never like I've never felt more scared in a storm than I did that moment because I didn't know where I was going. I had no idea what was going on. I literally watched My Morning Jacket finish as I as I ran through trying to find shelter, um, and then you're just locked down for the next few hours. To think at that moment, just prior to that fear, there was the most iconic, one of the most iconic Bonnaroo moments in the history of the festival happening literally right to my right as I'm rushing through to try and find shelter right. is pretty remarkable. And, um, you know, goes to show we've, we've, we've come a long way, my friend. Come a very long way. Well, yeah. And at that time, 04, all I would have been thinking is, I'm glad I'm not in a field in Manchester in a torrential rain right now listening to bands that I honestly And by the way, that was my first experience with Bonnaroo. That was my first day. Well, my first, <laughs> yeah, my first day it rained that night. I remember thunderstorms. Look, I was sitting in my little pup tent watching it rain thinking, I'm going to die. 
I mean, we, you know, it's not funny because we Jim James talks about that in this interview that you're about to hear a similar. But I'm thinking, I'm not gonna make it through yeah. this, you know. Uh, and why am I here? You know, all of those things are going through my. And then of course, sun comes out and you wake up and uh, you start having the experiences that it's, we talked about it's, on here. It's that time. it's that second year redemption because you, know, you had the exact same experience. You came back in 2008 and you were hooked, right? You were. You, yeah, and absolutely. we we absolutely. came back in 2005 and I was hooked. Uh, something just happened. You know, I, I had sworn that I was never coming back. I was never coming. I had such a terrible, miserable experience that first year. I was like, I'm not doing it. But the second I got back in, something happened. That, that magical Bonnaroo moment happened and just hit me. And I, you know, been a sucker ever since. I don't know if there's somebody that has represented this festival better than Jim James in my morning jacket. No, I think um, it might have been a fish festival maybe, to begin with, and a widespread panic festival. But I don't think, oh, yeah. a, but it's I don't think a band represents this brand better. No, they're part of the progression and development, and it's fun to hear him talk about the m- many times they've been and how they've all been special. I guess it was fifteen. I remember being there, and uh, some a young person. She was probably college age. Uh, we were talking and she said, my morning jacket is the perfect Bonnaroo mm. band. And I obviously was already thinking it, but to hear it from, you know, someone else, especially someone of a, a much younger generation. Uh, I mean, yep. I can't think. Of yeah. And one. you know, I know that this is may fall, uh, may fall on some deaf ears for some of the younger listeners and, and patrons of this podcast, uh, but the roots of this festival uh, go right through My Morning Jacket, uh, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006. That's when this thing was really built. And the thing that you're celebrating and going to every year is made possible by, you know, bands like My Morning Jacket and Umphreys McGee. And, and you know, I, I know I know it may well, not be for everybody, but I hope that I hope that in the God knows how long this My Morning Jacket set's going to be. Even if you don't like them, I hope that you go and, you know, give them back something that they've given us for one, two, three, four, five, six, eight years. You know, if if nothing yeah. else, just out of respect, I hope that, you know, you at least show up and, and spend a few minutes with my morning jacket. We didn't spend a lot of time talking to it and it comes at the end. But he mentioned something that I think is a key, key element. And that is that idea of the bands hanging mm. around, going to see each other. I mean, we've heard about that anecdotally over the years. David Byrne riding around on a bicycle from stage yeah. to stage, you know, those kinds I'll never of forget things. seeing Springsteen but, on a golf cart high fiving everybody through the crowd. But that's that's the kind of thing that makes it special, right? You never know what you're gonna see. It never feels like the bands show up on their bus, go on stage, do their usual ninety minute set, get back on the bus mm-hmm. and leave. It's a it's a community backstage front of house, Santa Rue, camping, all of that. And it was really interesting for me to hear him talk about sort of he misses some of the old days when it was a little looser mm-hmm. and they can do that because that, that's a, a huge part of what the vibe was for me that I fell in love with so early was like, this is just different. Everything about this mm-hmm. is different. Uh, and even you'll hear him talk about their band's first year when the answer to everything was yes. Well, you know? Can we do this? Yes, if you haven't, we'll if, you have, yes, if you haven't picked up yet, Jim James is our guest today. And, uh, you know, let's, let's wax poetic about him afterwards. But um, this, is a, this is a big one, Barry, because 
they're celebrating the 20th anniversary of that magical 2004 show. And it's a, it's a multi-part series of all of the other great live shows in the history of My Morning Jacket, one of which happens to be Volume 3, which is the 20th anniversary of the Bonnaroo show. It's return. Return to Thunderdome. Bonnaroo 2004, Return to Thunderdome. Yep. I don't understand what the significance of Thunderdome is. Is that what? I don't either. I don't Okay. All right. Without further ado, I'm really, really happy about this. I can't believe. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about how it came to be after we talked to Jim James of My Morning Jacket. An honor on the What Podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There he is. We can hear you. Yes. Great. Good morning. Where are you uh where are you plugged in from today? I'm in Belgium, Antwerp. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, wow. I can't. Wow. Uh, you might be our longest <laughs> lo- long, long distance, distance caller. Long time. First time. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jim, uh, honor to have you with us. Brad Barry, Lord Taco. We uh, I don't know if you know much about this little venture of ours, but we started this in the spirit of Bonnaroo. And I don't know, maybe arguably no person and no band personifies Bonnaroo more than you in my morning jacket. So this is sort of like the grand, the, Barry keeps calling my morning jacket and Jim James our white whale. And yeah. you joining us today is a, uh, is a high honor, my friend. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And I mean this with all sincerity. We've said on this show that Bonnaroo changed our lives and uh, you guys in 08, for me, uh, were a huge part of that. Um, I left there and listened to nothing but My Morning Jacket for about six months. <laughs> nice. So, and that's the nice. That was sort of like rehab for <laughs> yeah. you. It, it was, well, it, it reintroduced the fun of live music. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, for me. And so I want to... I want to start with that. Brad's been in radio 20 years. I was in newspapers for 37 years. Wow. So live music had sort of gotten uh, cookie cutter, kind of stale. You know, all the shows seemed like they were set on the same schedule and choreography and everything. And then uh, Bonnaroo and you guys happened. So uh, I, I don't want to do all the talking because <laughs> I know we're here to talk about 04, but I wanted to just sort of set the stage uh there and um 
I don't know, Brad. You, I, you, I know you were making notes. You, I, I'll let you. No, go first, I mean, I, I, have I think, I think that it's, it, it starts, you know, just in general about your feelings about Bonnaroo. What does Bonnaroo mean to you specifically in my morning jacket? Well, I mean, Bonnaroo for us was really the first place we ever experienced anything like that. You know, we we had uh, really only played like clubs and. Uh, we had done like a couple festivals um, here and there, but that was the first time we'd ever really experienced the um, what it was like to kind of go to another world, like an alternate reality. And that was kind of what we, I mean, you know, the, the show itself, getting to play in front of that many people, uh, especially, you know, those first few times that we got to do that, you know, as a younger band, those first times you get to play in front of, you know, a sea of people is such a crazy experience. But beyond even that, just the, uh, it was an alternate reality. You know, it's a chance to kind of go into this other reality um, and really dig into it and really explore it and really have a lot of fun um, running around and, and experiencing all the other bands and all of the silent disco late night stuff you know just we would just run you know for days uh and uh that was just a, one of one of my first experiences of like what it was like to kind of enter that that kind of alternate alternate space along those lines and uh, how much did you know ahead of time what was your anticipation or perception i mean it was also new it's hard for people to remember 2002, 2003, and four. Uh, you know, with your your show, really. It, you know, we're looking back now, so it's you know we got hindsight. But how much did you anticipate that it might be like that going in? Well, we never knew what to to anticipate. You know, as a kid, um, and in our culture, you, you you hear all the legends of of Woodstock, and you know all the things that came before your generation. And, uh, you know, coming up in around Louisville in the area, Bonnaroo was like the mythic, you know, like Woodstock or whatever thing that, that uh, you know, we always hoped we could get on. I mean, it was still pretty new back then, but we had been hearing about it. And we we're just like, oh, if we can only get to Bonnaroo, you know, that's like the that's the key to, to everything. You know? uh, and uh, so we were just so excited to, to get the offer to play that first year we played in the tent, um, which was, I can't remember if it was 2002 or 2003. Um, 2003. Okay. 2003. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so when we went, we just like went, we went in deep, you know, we just went in like, <laughs> we stayed there the whole time and just like had, you know, partied and danced and had so much fun kind of just out in the, uh, out in the world. Well, in 2003, it was at that tent, so uh, you stay all weekend. Was there a moment that you remember in 2003 that got you, that it immediately connected, or was it uh, the performance, the, the stage show, or is it someone Both. else's show, perhaps? Oh, my God. It was just, it was like, yes. It was like, everything was like, yes. It was like, uh, every question you, you ask is like, yes, 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 yes. You know, it's like. Is our show going to be awesome? Yes. Are we going to see lots of other great bands? Yes. Are we going to have lots of free drinks everywhere? Yes. Are there going to be amazing people everywhere? Yes. Are we going to dance all night long at this fucking crazy silent disco thing? Yes. Are we going to meet wild, like, 
characters out and you know it's just like every single thing and you know i think everybody knows in life in the real world there's a lot of no's you know it's like there's a lot of you can't do that nope not here not that way uh-uh you know and i think a lot of people it's like the uh it's an escape you know it's definitely an escapist thing because i think a lot of people you see people out running wild um that need that escape from their everyday um so i think it's kind of a Obviously, as long as you're um, doing it like in a kind way or whatever, you know, it's, it's hard to say healthy because there's so much drugs and drinking and stuff involved. But I think as long as kindness is in your heart, you know, and you're and, and you're exploring and you're searching. Uh, and I always felt like the um, the vibes there were kind, and you know, I always felt really welcome and good, and and uh, the, well, the experience felt really positive. In 2003, though, you guys, I mean, you specifically, I, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for the rest of the band, we're, we're still babies. Yeah, um, oh my God, yeah. Did you, did, you, did you think at the time, you're like, oh, no, 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 we did this so well, we're coming back next year? Oh, no, I, I'm kind of guilty of being very defeatist. I always think everything's going to be the last. I've, I've spent a lot of time in therapy trying to get over this, because we always would just joke, like, well, that sure was fun. I guess we better enjoy, you know, like we better enjoy this. It's the last time they're ever going to have us back. Because we just always felt like such a sore thumb. We've, we've always felt like we never fit in anywhere uh, musically. And uh, the first couple records we made, we like made them, we literally made them like 74 minutes long, as long as the CD was or whatever. Because we're like, well, we better put all our music on these records because we're never, they're never going to let us make another record. So we better get it, make it, get it all out there. So, no, we just kind of every every single thing we ever did, we always thought it was going to be our last. So I don't think there was ever any thought that we would come back. I'm so glad to hear you talk about that 03 because it sounds like one of the things about Bonnaroo and, and, and hearing you say it's all about yes and everything is you, you kind of have to experience a little bit to know where the boundaries are or that there are no boundaries. So... I'm guessing that sort of helped inform the 04 show, right? Because you'd done it, you you kind of knew what the vibe was like, you knew what the farm was like. So did that kind of open doors for you guys to say, yeah, we're going to go in this next time and, and just hit it really, really hard? Well, it's funny because for, for a while, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, everybody knows that feeling of the first time you do anything, there's so much fear and just confusion because you have no idea what it even is. So then the second time you come back, you're like, okay, at least we know what this thing is. But at that point, we were still just kind of in survival mode, kind of like uh, trying to get, just trying to keep going. Because we had had our original guitar player, John, our original keyboard player, Danny, had left the band. And we had gone through this big kind of, uh, you know, traumatic change that we thought might be the end of the band. So once Bo and Carl joined the band, and then, uh, you know, we were on tour quite a bit leading up to that 04 Bonnaroo. But that was still kind of like, we were just like, we got to survive this somehow. It wasn't even like, let's think of what we can do to make it cool. It was just like, I hope we can make it through. You know, we were just trying to make it through, period. Uh, and that's what's so interesting about the 04 show to me is like the the beginning of it especially was just so hot and so dry and so brutal you know it just felt like somebody put heaters all over the stage and just it was just so brutal you know and when you look at the crowd they're all like melted and everybody's you know, it was, 
It was so, you know, we were trying our best, you know, we're like, and it was fun. I think the beginning of the set is good too, but it's just like, and I think most bands would agree. It's, it's kind of hard playing in the daylight anyway, at least for me. It's just like, kind of like, you know, there's nowhere to hide and you're so vulnerable and exposed. But then when you crank the heat up to a thousand degrees and it's just like, it's crazy. So then when the rain came in and the storm came in and it's just like, it was, that was like, you know, it was, it was like a baptism for sure. Cause we were like, okay we can stop just trying to survive and, and actually like let's enjoy this and, and build this and relish this as opposed to just trying to live live through it. That That's an interesting way to describe it considering if you've spent all these years and all this time and all these experiences thinking that it was the last time you would ever do it or you had a defeatist attitude, the fact that you went in thinking, I don't know how this is going to go, uh, we've got a we've got a guitar player. I don't know if it's going to work out. And then the universe literally gives you a torrential downpour that is the heaviest that Bonner has ever seen. I can't imagine you guys going like, "Well, they don't want us to finish. Yeah. They do not want us to ever play again." <laughs> yeah, and then no, in the moment it was great because it was just so fucking hot. I mean, it was purely like a body thing. You know, it was just like I was just glad that my body wasn't going to be roasted to death anymore. You know, it's like, just like, I didn't even think about the implications or the, you know, because from the stage, as the wind and the rain and the gray clouds rolled in, you just watched the crowd. They were all like little burned flowers. And as the rain started to come, everybody just went up and like came to life again. You know, and it was like just this, this baptism for everybody that was so amazing you know just just purely like physically you know and then it turned into a spiritual moment uh, like a, a really beautiful uh experience but at the beginning it was just like we've been wandering the desert you know and there, now there's water you know, that yeah, simple, we're, you know. we're familiar <laughs> is, is, was there was there a was there a there. moment in the show, like during the rain, I, I guess you don't even think about getting, I don't know, electrocuted, but is there a moment that you guys all looked around during a certain song or, you know, I don't know if it was a certain break, but was there a moment where everybody looked around and said, oh my God, there's something, this is, there's something going on right now. Uh, it, it definitely felt great, you know, and we've always had this motto since the earliest days of the band of like, you don't stop. Like, no matter what happens, you do not stop playing. Unless somebody literally comes up and grabs you off stage and hauls you off stage, you don't stop, you know. And so that was kind of the, half the fun for us was like, okay, here's this rain and here's this. And we're not going to stop, you know, and, unless, like, somebody drags us off stage. Or eventually the rain uh, killed all of our amps and killed all of our speakers, you know. So, like, the guitars went out and the bass went out and, that's the part I love of the end of this show is like the only thing still going were like Patrick's drums and uh, Bo's amp still work for some reason, you know, so it's just Bo and Patrick playing at the end. And uh, yeah, it's just so, so we kind of, um, we definitely looked at it as a challenge. And, and at the time, I mean, I've kind of had my struggles with uh, different um, mental problems or issues and, uh, at the time, I kind of hoped that I would just get electrocuted or something because the the force of it was so powerful <laughs> that you know running around in my bare feet and all that water with all the wires and stuff and I still remember the visceral feeling of like my bare feet <laughs> in this pile of wires with all this water full you know like this water up to my uh, you know covering my feet and I was just like man like 
if this if I get electrocuted right now, like that what a cool doorway this would be to walk out of this fucking crazy life that I've struggled with so much. Uh, and I'm glad that didn't happen. But at the time, I was just you know it was, that was kind of part of it for me too. I was like, maybe this is my way out. <laughs> I mean, Jim, I'm, I'm I don't want to take this to a dark place, but afterwards, did you sort of reflect on that and say to yourself? Ooh, that was that was maybe not the right way to think about that. No, I mean I've just gone up and down my entire life. You know, sometimes I've really enjoyed life, and and I mean whatever everybody does, you know. But sometimes sure. I, I just really have struggled and not enjoyed uh, this this realm, um, and and I have just not really. So I've kind of gone up and down with thoughts like that. Um, and uh, luckily I've spent a lot of time in therapy and uh, doing a lot of work on myself and I don't feel like that anymore, but, um, Oh, thank God. Thank you know, it's God. just kind Good of a you, weird, right? it's a weird thing. You know, it's like, it's no secret that so many people struggle with mental illness and, uh, all sorts of things and, uh, depression and, um, well, it's surprising. It's surprising that you can look back on the show so fondly if it holds such a, I mean, that's a major piece of darkness that comes with it well that's always been a part of my life though and unfortunately i've had a lot of friends that have committed suicide and a lot of uh a lot of my heroes you know i've seen die from uh, suicide and drug addiction you know it's something that was always in the back of my mind um and i'm so glad that i, I never fully went there or whatever but it's like you know i don't i know I, a lot of people who've struggled with depression or mental illness you know it's like suicide's this kind of fucking being that's with you all the time you know it's like sometimes it's like leaves and you forget about it and other times it comes back and it's like yeah what do you think and what do you think is now the time to walk out the door or whatever and uh i think the more that the more time i've tried to get to know myself and uh do therapy and make myself comfortable with the uh just the idea of death in general I've I've just learned more in recent years how to become more peaceful, how to embrace this this realm and this life and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's really uh, interesting that how well, things roll and how things go, you know. But yeah. but when I look back on it now, though, I mean, still even though that was a big part of it for me, I still also see the joy of the show. You know what I mean? It's like I really love well, the, this concept of both and. You know, it was possible for me, even in that moment and now, for that show to be both unbelievably joyful and unbelievably uh, painful at that point in my life. You know that that juncture. So, yeah, I, I hold both those feelings. I know either re understood either from reading or hearing from people, it's that weird dichotomy of you're in front of eighty thousand people being loved, and yet you're having these dark yep. thoughts. You know, it's kind of a guilty why did why are they here listening to me man i'm glad they're here listening to me yeah you, know, you know struggle i guess um at what point uh, i mean this show and i don't mean to change the subject right mm, if you no, have another okay. at what point i mean this show is such so legendary obviously it's it's 20 year anniversary and you guys are releasing a you know, a, a double vinyl set uh, on the 9th of June, which, by the way, I've ordered and I can't wait for it to get here. Um, at what point did you know it was a special show? Oh, man. Um, and I don't mean necessarily during it, but maybe 
months and weeks after. Oh, right when we walked off. How did it change the attitude of the band? Oh, right when we walked off stage. I mean, we all uh, just huddled right there on stage, and we were just so stoked, so excited. You know, we felt like we won the Super Bowl or something. You know, we were just like so – it was so beautiful. You know, it really felt like a baptism and like a securing of – that we were supposed to be a band. You know, that Carl and Bo – really fit in and they really made it through this challenge. They didn't run, you know, they didn't get scared by the rain and <laughs> run off stage or whatever, you know, it was like this thing that we were like all uh, in it together. So it was really like the baptism of what my morning jacket was meant to be and, and has been, you know, it's Bo and Carl. It's, it's their 20th anniversary as well. You know, so the, the majority of the, uh, the band, uh, is is them, you know, and and so it was the beautiful beginning to that uh, that part. I, I bet it also helps that the set was actually good and sounded the way that you wanted it to sound <laughs> too, right? Or else, well, that um, was incredible. Yeah, because we got the we had the for the files and the documentary, all the video files and the audio files. It's like you know they were all on some old, outdated hard drive system, you know, from twenty uh-huh. years ago that they had to dig through you know, crates and pallets and shit. And luckily, yeah, luckily they found them and, uh, it was a lot of, uh, work going through and stuff. But yeah, we were so stoked. Um, once Tucker Martin got them all pulled up and, uh, and mixed it and stuff. It was so cool hearing it back the first time and being like, Oh my God, this sounds who's, really great. Whose idea was this to, to go back and, and start it all over and make a album out of it and come back to Bonnaroo to sort of celebrate? Well, we started doing this um, live vinyl series a couple of years ago. This will be the third volume of it. And we we're just trying to do, you know, just to kind of showcase the live side of the band on, uh, you know, on recording or whatever. Because we really had only done our Okanokos album so long ago. And we were like, um, you know, we want there to be other proper documents because there's tons of. Uh, you know, bootleg recordings or whatever, but but sure. it's so cool when you have a live show properly mixed and properly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just sounds so good. So we started doing that, and throughout that, we want to jump around in time a lot. So we were trying to think of uh, what's what's one of the earlier shows that people talk about all the time that we we have access to the uh, multi-track recording of it and stuff. And uh, Bonnaroo was one that you know came up quickly as one that. Uh, people always talk about from the earlier uh, part of our career. So, luck- yeah, luckily we found the files and uh, were able to to mix it properly. How how much did it change? I mean, you said you guys when you walked off, you felt like this is the band, but you beforehand you you know you said you kind of had that defeatist. This will be our last one, and that sort of was that from that point on you're like we can do this and we found our voice so to speak and and all of that and then uh move forward immediately or did it still kind of ride the roller coaster oh god it's always roller coaster you know it's it's like a basketball game or something you know it's like it's like a close game you know it's like you're you're winning and then you're down you know and you think that you've got your loss and then somehow you get it back and you get it back. You know, it's like, at least that's how it's been for me. I don't ever, um, that nothing's ever guaranteed. And I don't ever feel really that confident um, about anything. And as the world goes and changes, it's crazy too. Because it's like what the world wants 
changes and shifts, you know, and, and even within the time we've been a band, some years things are down and, and it feels like, you know, oh, does anybody even care anymore? And then other years they're back up and like, oh, I guess people do like the band. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's like, and it's really just feels all out of your control. You know, it's like all you can do is, is try and make the best music you can, you know, and try and play the best shows you can. But the rest of it, it's so out of my control. How did, how did all of, so Oh three and Oh four, how did that lead into Oh eight, which was that four hour started at midnight also had rain. Uh, seems I know it's crazy. (laughs) Well, there were, I think there was a couple more in between there. I think we did. Yeah. 2005 and six, 2005 is the one with the, uh, with the goofy things on stage, right? You had like a, yeah, we had the puppets, a, yeah, Marie Antoinette and yeah, um, yeah. a giraffe and a bumblebee or something, if I remember yeah. correctly. Oh yeah, those are the uh, squall- squalish puppeteers from uh, from Louisville. Um, you know, we just every year we were like, okay, if we're gonna keep coming back to this place, we wanted to try and do something different every year. You know, because we kept coming back, so we're like, what can we do? You know, can we bring puppets? Can we? You know, what can, what can we do? <laughs> Besides change the music, obviously, you know, cause that's the first, first right. obvious thing you want to keep changing up the sets and changing up and, you know, putting new music in there and switching the order and, you know, letting the improv moments, they're going to always just be what they are or whatever. But the, the, uh, so yeah, then we, as we kind of work towards 2008 or whatever there, yeah, there were just so many covers that we wanted to do and so many songs that we did that late night set and we really didn't have a time limit. You know, they weren't like, cause most, really? most sets, especially festival sets, you've got a hard time limit. You know, you've got an hour, 30 minutes. You know, if you go over, uh-huh. you're fucked. Right. Everybody's pissed, uh-huh. you know, but, right. but that's the cool <laughs> thing about playing these late night festivals sometimes is they're like, whatever, man, play as long as you want. So we just <laughs> played and played and played and played and played and played and played, you know, and, and it just, it was just, yeah, it seemed to, uh, yeah, it was so so long. What well, I'm uh, just uh, do you plan on doing a hard out this year or are you just going to go? Uh, we don't know. There's the yeah. I mean if it's fun, you know, it's 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 hard to say what the spirit will be like and what the um time will be like, but I mean we're excited to uh to play and yet yeah, it's, it's another one of those things where who knows how long uh how long it'll go. So when you when you look at the list, it's 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2008, 2011, 2013 solo or with with the uh, side project and then oh, 2015 yeah. uh, of all of those. I mean, if we call Chance the Rapper, the mayor of Bonnaroo, you've got to be the fun uncle, uh, you know, of all <laughs> of these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight appearances at Bonnaroo uh, with a super jam in there as well uh, with someone who shall not be named um which one's your favorite do you have a specific memory that that sticks out for you um god i mean doing that super jam with john oates was so that was so beautiful like getting to collaborate with him and um all all the different i mean there's so many different moments so many different people it's like so many different it's it's really it, it is like a blur of light or something you know it's kind of like looking back on your life on your deathbed or whatever. There's just like so many things that were so beautiful, you know, and, and so many things that were trying and hard and, um, so much, uh, love and so much, um, joy 
so much exhaustion, so much heat, so much wetness. <laughs> you know, it's just like the uh, – it really is a little capsule of um, – it's another like life. like every relationship I've ever been in. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's another life. It's just another lifetime, a little – another part of this this existence that's just like a little different. You know, it's like a little um, – it's somewhere you get to go run wild, uh, wild and free, you know, in this different way. Did then those did any of those later ones feel like the first one? I mean, the first one is always so. First of anything, can always be so special. Honestly, every single uh, one was special I mean, in its own way because we still, you know, yeah. every single one of them. Like this is the thing I don't think a lot of bands realize, especially as you go on through your career. Every at least for us, like every fucking time we play we're like we gotta bring this shit because if we don't this could be over you know if people come and see us and they're like oh they suck this time you know 2004 is great but 2006 they sounded like shit you know they were half drunk and like <laughs> could barely play you know it's like so it's like we've always taken it really see like tonight for example we're in belgium where basically our career started in holland and belgium and and it's like been a long time since we're here and so we're playing in Belgium tonight, and it's like, we better fucking be good, you know, or else people are going to see us, and they're going to be like, oh, they used to be good so long ago, back in 2002, they were so great, but now they suck, you know, it's like, so there's that kind of <laughs> pressure, you know, that comes in, that's part of the deal, you know, but yeah, so every Bonnaroo we've ever done, we're like, fuck, man, how do we, like, up the ante, you know, how do we beat? Sure beat 2004 how do we beat 2008 like how do we keep this fun and i think now it's like i don't know yeah it's just like that's been a big part of of it and also you know, have fun you know like how do we do this and have fun too but the fun part sure. a lot of times isn't in, in your control either because you you know you might want something to be fun but then your amp breaks or your guitar's out of tune or you feel like shit that day or you're sad or depressed and you know it's like fun you can't can't always force to happen. Are, are you are you a fan uh, also? I, I'm assuming that you are of of the farm and and the artists that are playing. How much time does the band and you spend on a normal Bonnaroo year, just meandering around watching other stuff? I mean, it's different every year. For the first years, um, we weren't touring quite as much, so we would go for the whole time, pretty much, you know, and just run wild uh, for the whole time and other years have been different other other years will stay longer and hang and um and then some years you're on tour or whatever you know and the only time you can play like that's kind of how this year is like it's like w that we have to just come play our set and then leave because we have to get to the next place or you know there's all those all those uh variables um well i hope they kind of open it one thing that's kind of gotten tough about it too is that they've locked it down a lot as it's changed ownership and it's changed uh hands from whoever owns it or whoever manages it now it used to be easy to run around to different stages and see different artists and now it's all locked down and you can't get mm. on the side of the stage unless you have a vip pass so you can't get you know it's like you can't really move around as easily as you used to be and that's something that's been really bummer that i hope the organizers can change because because i think a part mm. of what makes a festival special that it, how Bonnaroo used to be and how Newport Folk Festival still is, is 
artists should be really able to see each other easily and to meet and to go watch the other tents because that's half the fun is, you know, you're playing at this stage over here, but you want to zoom over here to this stage and see right. this art artist right. that you've always wanted to see. But after you keep trying to go do that and you can't get in, you know, it's like, and, and I understand there have to be some rules, you know, you can't go into Paul McCartney's sure. dressing room or whatever, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like you should be able to go everywhere. But yeah, the, the way it used to be though, and, I, and I'm not trying to just be like, oh, what it used to be, you know, like waxing for the old times. I think it should be like this always is there, there should, especially at these festivals, there's this incredible opportunity for new collaborations to happen for new artists to, to inspire each other and meet and create. And sure. that's how, how so many things that I've been involved in came from those moments, you know, that I totally could never planned. That's always, and, but totally as, the agree. as the corporations get more of a stranglehold on these festivals though, they're really locking it down. And it, like last time we were at Bonnaroo, uh, there's, it was after we had walked like, you know, all the way across to some way, way far tent, way out in the middle of nowhere. And we had played, I think it was the year we played the big stage or whatever. So we even, we even had a pass for the big stage. And they wouldn't let us in to see the uh, the uh, band that was playing over there or whatever. And we still watched the thing from, like, we went out in the crowd. But then we were, like, trying to get back to our bus. And they had these golf carts. They're, they're literally, like, a row of, like, five empty golf carts sitting there with just people sitting in them. And we, like, walked up to the thing. It's like... Four in the morning, we're completely wasted, you know, and we walk up to the golf carts and we have our passes and we're like, yeah, is there any way that you can take us back to our, our bus behind the main stage? Here's our pass. And the, the, all, the, all the kids that are controlling the golf carts, they go, no, I'm sorry. These are only for party like a rock star VIPs. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. And we were like, right. we were like, we people are think, the rock star. I know it's so funny. We people are. think we're like rock stars we partying like rock star. out here, and we can't even get a fucking golf cart back to the bus. You know, it's just like so funny. But uh, um, and well, let's ra let's wrap up here in a second. In the spirit of that, though, uh, you think you're finding yourself on the Super Jam stage this year? Are you going to make a triumphant return? I don't even know when the Super Jam is or who's doing it. Okay. Uh, I have no Corey, idea. Corey Wong. You're a Corey Wong guy? You a Corey Wong fan? I don't know who that is, sadly. Okay. All right. Well, but I'll, I'll check them uh, out. Writing that down. All right. Um, Jim, look, I, I can't say thank you enough, not just for being here. This part is, is inconsequential, but for what you mean to uh, all of every Bonnaroovian, what you mean to the farm, what you mean to the festival, what you bring to the culture of all of it. Um, I mean, I... I I hope I don't speak for the entire uh, group of us, but man, I, I can't thank you enough for being who you are and what you mean to the festival. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah. Thank I, you. I'm very sincere when I said that 08 show changed, literally changed my life. Thanks so much. Uh, for a lot of good reasons. I'm yeah. so grateful. So thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you. I'm so grateful to well, be yeah. part of it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
Jim James on the What Podcast. Uh, you know, Barry, I know it's been your white whale. It's the one that you've been wanting the most. I would argue, Taco, you're the historian here. Have we had a bigger artist ever on the What Podcast? Absolutely yeah. not. This is the biggest one we've gotten this so is, far. This is the one we've been waiting for. When we started this whole thing, yeah. we said, you know what? You know, if we get Jim James, we can shut it all down. So I hate to say yeah. this is the last one yeah. we'll ever do. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Hope yep. you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> He was so incredible, nice so, uh, so kind with his time, and a, a, a very lovely, very lovely man. Yeah, and he said everything for me that I hoped he would say. That even stuff I didn't, you know, couldn't ever have hoped that he might say. Like he gets pretty deep, you know, he got pretty yeah. deep uh, talking about uh, being on stage in that storm mm-hmm. and uh, and just what it, the festival means and that first year. I just everything yeah. was great. Every answer was uh, just exactly what I I hoped. It was an absolute honor, and uh, I, I really do hope that we give them back everything that they gave us over the last eight different uh, chances to see them at Bonnaroo. So, um, again, this is one for the ages. Uh, I'm, I'm so, so happy, and, and I, feel like, I feel like we, I don't know how we stole 30 minutes of his time, but I, f- yeah, I feel Belgium. incredibly lucky, <laughs> I, and I'm so thankful for the people that, that helped make this happen. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We spent uh, over a year on this, um, and, you know, I, I just I, I couldn't have been happier that he's as great of a human being as I thought he was. Um, even though it took us a little time, it, it came through, and, uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm so I'm happy. Well, I'm glad we waited because it worked out the timing with the, uh, the release. Yeah, of the and which I'm very excited to hear. Yeah. I can't wait to relive Perfect. it, and especially when the documentary comes out. All right, guys, thank you. Thank you for being a part of the uh, What Podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>